Hello and welcome. <laughs> that was our theme song. Yes, we now have a theme song. Kind of. Yes. Yes, we do. We do. We do. Apparently it's being added in in post. <laughs> uh, yes. It, yeah. Um, but I will be contributing with my lovely voice. Anyway, um, I am Sophia, uh, also known as Joan Finney, and you are? I am Rivka. And we're fangirls! Hello! We didn't do an intro last time, so we're doing one this time, so sorry. sorry. about that. Yeah, sorry. We got a little too excited. Um, I mean, we are fangirls. This is kind of just part of the course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... We, uh, we get easily excited. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, what's our topic for today? Uh, fangirls and the stereotypes behind it and how it's really kind of a terrible du- double standard, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Like, in our notes, we have it labeled as fangirl shame, shame and the misogyny behind it. Uh, yeah. Why does this podcast thoughts. exist? Because we're a little sick and tired for the past decade being like, oh, you guys are hysteric. Yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, if you try and claim that we're not a little bit hysterical in the best possible way, then you will be lying. To be fair, we're all a little hysterical. We're we're all a little mad here. We're all a little mad here in our own little special ways. Um, It's just the fangirls who get... Yeah, we're all our own flavor of weird. But it's the fangirls who get called out for it. This is true. (sighs) So what is fangirl shame? I mean... Before we go into that, I think we really have to sort of focus on, like, what is the view of the fangirl that is being shamed? Mm -hmm. And I think for that, I mean, we discussed this in our first episode, it's the teenage girl who's obsessed with an idol group or something like that, and is, you know, spending lots of money on concerts, has posters all over her room... You know, it's convinced that this one celebrity is going to marry her. Right. The Harry Styles mm-hmm. phenomenon on Wattpad. Yes. All of that. That is what people think of when they think of the word fangirl. And honestly, that's why we're kind of doing this podcast, because we want to take away that negative connotation, because that is what people have attributed shame to. Mm-hmm. And since like fangirling, it is very much a hobby, and in some cases, it's an escapism. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that they can people can find like genuine joy in. It yeah, can exactly. hurt a lot of when something that you're genuinely interested in, you can't share about it because of the stereotypes. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to be made fun of. You don't want to be looked Absolutely. down upon. You don't want to be labeled as weird because of your uh, because of your interests. And because a lot of people assume fangirl is a younger audience. There's already this idea of it's childish, it's juvenile. And if you're an adult who is a fangirl, then what are you doing with your life? Right. Then then clearly you must not have outgrown it. Mm Mm-hmm. Which we have not, obviously. We have not, obviously. Do we we count as grown-ups? Yes, we do very much count as grown-ups. Oh, that's scary. We can both drink. Well, only one of us does. That is very true. (laughs) We'll leave it to the listeners to decide which one. (laughs) Um... Yeah, but the thing is, that's what you originally... That's what pops into your mind in the social... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Anyways, that is what pops into your mind in, like, a social context Mm -hmm. for the word fangirl, is the girl in her room covered in posters of One Direction and BTS. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But I would like to pose a question to you, and obviously this is rhetorical because it's in our notes, Mm -hmm. but that's fine. Yeah. Why is it that teenage girls who are excited about this celebrity or this band are looked down on for buying lots of merch and showing off how much they love this thing. And going to the concerts. And going to the concerts and paying lots of money to go to these concerts and see these people in person. Why is that considered something to be ashamed of when modern sports fans are effectively the same thing? Yeah. They spend a lot of money on the merch. You you see them wearing like the sports jerseys right. and hats and stuff. And, and all of like they're... that weird like drink thing with the weird straw that you put on your head. Oh gosh, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> what are those? I have no idea. I've never yeah. been to a sports now, just, game. Just, just to be clear, we are not shaming sports fans. No, th- and that's our point is yeah. that's not a bad thing. It's something that you get joy from. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like it would be a terrible double standard for a sports fan to be praised for this and to be told, wow, you must be such a huge fan because you, you know, spent $500 on these tickets. And you're in such a and cool you, community. Right, you're in such a cool community. Man, I, you know, you're always so passionate about when your football team is playing. Wow. But when fans are in that same position, you don't have that kind of support. It's beaten down almost. Yeah, yeah. I remember, um, like, as a... I first became a fangirl, like, when I was 12. And I mm-hmm. remember throughout my teenage years, I was pretty private about it and very mm-hmm. embarrassed about it because um, I didn't know what my parents would think mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, and, again, it's not because I was doing anything bad, mom and dad, if you're listening. It was just more of... I didn't want to kind of have to that... explain. I didn't want to have that reaction of, like, Sophia, why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, this is childish. Yeah. Because it was something that I was genuinely interested in. I'm going to be honest. I was really lucky when I was a young teenager. My parents really encouraged me to be kind of more of a fan of things like Harry Potter. That was like the big one when I was younger. And then, um, no names because this guy has improved since then. But at one point when I was in high school, I was talking about some of my favorite Broadway musicals. Because I'm also, I love show tunes. I love Broadway and I mentioned that, oh, one of my favorite musicals is Wicked. And this guy that I did this extracurricular with looked at me and was just very judgmental and said, you mean the most popular musical that exists? And I'm sure from my tone of voice, the listeners can imagine the look on his face and <laughs> imagine why it was that I did not admit that that was my favorite musical for five more years. Mm. Yeah, um, I, uh, up until, like, recently, I never really told anyone that I would write fan fiction, mm-hmm. uh, like, outside of you. Um, like, my family didn't know, my parents mm-hmm, didn't know, yeah. my brother didn't know. But um, now I'm a lot more open about it. Uh, I remember how weird it was for me when I first started telling my parents about people like Dream and mm-hmm. Technoblade. Because, again, I'm really into, like, Minecraft roleplay and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and we did kind of get that reaction from my parents of, like, what? What? What is this? I remember my mom especially was confused of like, so this dream guy, you watch him, but you don't know what he looks like. Yes. Uh, okay, why do you watch him then? Will we watch the content that he mm, made? So, yeah. Um, but even from what you told me, that was more just, they were confused. They were it confused. wasn't as much like, 
beaten down necessarily. Yeah, and I think that was mainly because they saw my brothers mm-hmm. uh, also be all like, yeah, like, oh my gosh, yeah, that makes and Dream and everybody else. And so I guess my parents just saw, like, my brothers and I bonding mm-hmm. over it. Yeah, being absolutely. All, like, we're not going to discourage this. If mm-hmm. they're getting along, um, right. This is fine. something that they can do together. And, I mean, that's what fandom is all about. It's about building community. this community. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Between siblings, between friends, that's how we met. Yeah. We bonded over the craziness that is the Book of Tobit. Oh, my gosh. Even if you're not Christian, go give it a read. It is a trip. (laughs) It it really is. Quite literally, it's a road trip. It is a road trip. (laughs) Anyways, side tangent. Shocker there. Yeah. But, yeah, the... I think that's, that's the difference is... It's one thing to be met with confusion. I mean, that's kind of disheartening when you're... Especially, like, a younger teenager... Which, again, is where a lot of the fangirl shame comes from. But being met with outright disdain is mm-hmm. arguably so much worse. Yeah, especially uh, by even, like, pop culture and popular media, which is where a lot of these fandoms come from. Mm-hmm. Um, we already have this problem of where, you know, teenage girls, they're kind of labeled as, you know, even if they're not fangirls, they're mm-hmm. immature and they're hysteric. And they're, right, it doesn't really it's matter all, what they, a they teenage... just want a boyfriend or yeah it doesn't matter what a teenage girl wants or is interested in she's going to be beaten down for it it doesn't really matter what it is whether that be she enjoys taking pictures of herself or creating outfits or makeup or fandom or sports or whatever the case may be no matter what a teenage girl is interested in, she's going to be beaten down by it because that's simply the society that we live in. And it's horrible, honestly. Yeah, oh my it, gosh. It is so harmful to all of those girls. You want to know why they've been those girls. Yeah, you want to know why there's so many depressed teenage girls? It's because nothing that they, she's interested in can be validated. Exactly. Um, there's, there's this clip of where... Um, Wilbur Soot even pointed that mm-hmm. out, of all people. I know, uh, I was very impressed by that. Yeah, he yeah, really put like, Somebody asked him, of like, hey, Wilbur, what's like something that like really bothers you? And that was yeah. his answer. Because like, normally he's very like, not happy go lucky, but he's generally very positive. And very good. Like he doesn't focus on the negatives. Mm-hmm. But this was something he just went off on societal views on teenage girls and their interests. And I was honestly very impressed. Yeah, and everybody in that conversation, like, they just went dead silent. They're like, dang. (laughs) You could see everybody just going, we can't even make a joke about this. Yeah, you can't joke about that. Because you're right. Yeah, and also we're screaming right now, and there's teenage girls watching this. Nikki actually, um, Nikki Niachu, Mm -hmm. did something similar, not quite the same, but in that same vein where. She basically called out all of the creepy guys who were in her Twitch chat at I've one seen point. That. And, and she basically told them, I do this because it's something that I love to do. And there are teenage girls who watch me. How do you think they feel when that message comes up on the screen and you're talking all about how hot and sexy I am for lack of more decent terms? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you think that makes them feel? If this was your daughter, how would you feel about them seeing a message like that? And she just ripped into them. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful, honestly. Oh, yeah. It was, it was pretty great. Girl power. Hmm. Self-respect. Amen. I think, I think that's really what it comes down to is that not only is, like, 
anything that I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this not only is like female aimed media considered immature it's considered inferior it's considered inferior exactly because and I, that goes back to like the the sports fan mm -hmm. um analogy of sports are considered manly things and so it's okay for societally obviously this is all generalization please don't be offended we're simply pointing out what we see in the world mm -hmm. but it's considered okay societally for a bunch of guys to get together and watch the big football game and just go crazy when their team makes a touchdown but it's considered somehow bad for a bunch of girls to get together and watch a concert mm -hmm. or like watch a show together or something like that yeah and there's a lot of things that like teenage girls are interested in where society says oh well that's a boy thing you shouldn't be interested in that yeah you know like star wars like there are girls who are into sports um like for me with minecraft people would often get confused when i tell them that they're like you play minecraft that's a that's a guy thing i'm like it is very much not that mm -hmm. <laughs> and even i mean it's kind of getting better it's certainly in, getting better. It, well, it, it is and it isn't is the issue. Mm -hmm. Because, like, say, take the 90s. Every girl was either made to be, like, the sort of Barbie pop princess or was made to be the not-like-other-girls stereotype. Yeah, you look and, at, like, mean girls. Uh, clueless. I, I could not make it through. Legally blonde. Legally Blonde, I will argue, is a subversion of that trope, mm. but that's something we can get into in another, another episode, and honestly, I would like to get into that trope at some subversion. point. subversion! Woo! We love that. <laughs> Anyways, but the thing is, we are kind of getting a, a trope subversion of our own in our own society, but it's not necessarily without its own flaws. Because you do have, you do now have things like Black Widow and Wonder Woman, who are like major cultural icons that are being brought to the big screen in a medium that is very much aimed towards men in these like superhero movies mm -hmm. but also in that you either have the yes you have more characters but you that means you also have more characters who are coded either as the femme fatale of i just use my womanly wiles to distract the men and i uh, i use my body in order to entrance uh, them and distract them and that way the men can do their job that's the sound of me dying in the background <laughs> if she doesn't talk for the rest of the podcast you know why <laughs> so you either have that or you have the the girl has to put away all of her girly attributes and become more manly mm -hmm. so like it's a double-edged sword on the one hand it's good that there is more representation that girls can do things but also you're losing that idea of girls can do th those sorts of things and still be girls and that's what i think um, uh, they're completely missing the point yeah, exactly feminine like traits and interests are beautiful mm -hmm. and should be embraced and society's not doing that um there uh, it's just another way to make fun of it exactly the one movie and i bring this up anytime this comes up the one movie that did not do that was um the first Wonder Woman movie with Gal Gadot, mm. directed by Patty Jenkins, they did not at all try and minimize the fact that she was a woman. And they didn't, like, overtly sexualize her. 
like obviously her costume was still based on the costume from the comics Mm -hmm. so it was form-fitting and you know a little bit of a shorter skirt but it was intentional and that was a character choice and they didn't make it all about how she's doing this to distract the other soldiers on the battlefield they made it in more in a sense of this is her battle armor Mm -hmm. this is how she learned to fight Mm -hmm. i loved that movie it was and it was great because like you did not have that sexualization of a female superhero and this was the first time that i had ever seen that yeah that's why i liked it exactly yeah it was great and um with what you were saying of how like women basically to empower them they must be more manly i've noticed uh it doesn't bother me me as much anymore because i'm now older and wiser Mm -hmm. but i remember it really bothered me of how like so society is telling me that I can't be feminine. I can't mm-hmm. be female. I need to be more manly. I need to be someone I'm not. I'm not like some, you know, I'm not like Ray. I'm not like Black Widow. I don't know how to fight. I'm not like, mm-hmm. um, I always tease to you of how like, oh, I, I, I respect like cool and chill people, but I can never be that. I am a nerd and I am chaotic. Like, Are I you am- somehow trying to tell me that I'm cool and chill because I am not? <laughs> I mean, it's up to your own interpretation whether or not you're cool or chill or nerdy and chaotic or a combination of the two. Fair enough. But it was very much of like, I can never be those people and I don't want to be those people. Yeah. But there's that pressure of like, if you, in order to reach maximum power Mm -hmm. or whatever, you need to be those people. I remember very early stories I had, it had that. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like Star Wars and superheroes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, my protagonist would dress it all black. And now I'm just like... No, my protagonists, um, like they, they have more, fe- you know, they have more they feminine, feminine actions. They, yeah. they wear dresses and they wear, mo- they wear mm-hmm. colors and they have their own interests. They love one, literature and flowers. One thing that I think does the idea of like the feminine but also the fighters mm-hmm. really, really well is um, the manga and now anime Sailor Moon mm-hmm. and um, the anime Sailor Moon Crystal. Because you have this all-girl team-up. It's not even like it's just one token girl. Because that's the other issue, is that you have in, like, Marvel, for example. Look at the percentages. In the first Avengers movie, there were six, like, main Avengers. Only one of them was a girl. Mm -hmm. Even now, there are not that many girl characters in the Marvel Universe. It is mainly male-dominated. So, that is subconsciously showing the audience that clearly girls can't do this and the ones who are here are the exception rather than the rule. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Sailor Moon is that it's an all-girl team-up. There are, It starts out with five girls. By the end, it's ten girls with a single guy. He is the token guy. Oh. It's And it's beautiful because every single one of those girls has very individual like, a very individual character. One of them is, like, very academic. She's very logical. Um, At one point in the anime, she realizes she has no moves left to do, and so she takes her little um, glasses, which are also, like, a computer, and they can, like, scan things. She takes off her glasses, and she goes, I guess I won't be needing these anymore, and she throws them at the monster and kills it. (laughs) It's beautiful! Like, one of them is super strong and tall and... But also, she wants to open a bakery. Yeah. She is the 
singular guardian of love and courage, and she fights with rose earrings and flowers. It's yeah. beautiful. There are some, like, uh, you know, more recent, like, Pixar Disney movies yeah. that do that pretty well. Like, Frozen. Like, it wasn't, the center wasn't around a romantic relationship. It, it was, was about, about the sisters. It was about the sisters, who both had very feminine personalities. Mm-hmm. Like, Anna was not, like, the Black Widow character at all. She's more like me. That's true. And, like, it was celebrated. Mm -hmm. I I will say I have some issues with Frozen simply because I felt like the plot was kind of a mess and the characters kind of jumped around a little bit. The first or second? Um, both. (laughs) The first one, I think, was better handled the second one was just kind of confusing. Yeah, there. I I still have a lot of questions. I, I have a lot of it questions. It was beautifully about the crafted. It, but it was beautiful, and I love the soundtrack. And that's what counts. I love the animation. Oh my gosh, mm, that's very fair. Mm. But but yeah, no, I I will definitely agree with you, with the one caveat that Elsa is not necessarily shown to be a feminine character as much. Mm-hmm. Like, Anna absolutely, definitely is, like, a very feminine character. She's kind of a flawed character. Yeah. And and it's delightful. She's she's a lovable goof, and we love her for that. Mm-hmm. But Elsa, who is the one who is now, like, celebrated as, you know, the feminist icon. She didn't need a man to save her. She kind of did embody a lot of those male traits in a way. Mm-hmm. That is that is my counter-argument, and feel free to start this debate. Feel free to argue amongst yourselves. <laughs> argue in the comments. Oh, wait. <laughs> we don't have comments. Probably a good thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> now that we've gone off on that little tangent. Hmm. Uh, if you ever... So another thing we have in our notes is that if you ever do Google searches, uh, if you type in, why are fangirls... Uh, the first five results that I got, now it kind of changes from person to person because I did this because I saw an article do it, mm-hmm. and they had slightly different answers, but it's basically the same idea, mm-hmm. and it is, why are fangirls so annoying, so obsessed, hated, so weird, and scary? Gee, that's a great start. I feel loved. <laughs> Thanks, Google. <laughs> um, so, yeah, even Google hates us, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. But... It's very frustrating because we kind of are stuck between a rock and a hard place where we get into these pieces of media or whatever it may be, and we're kind of shamed for it. And then we are forced to find a community who, not forced, but like we find a community who also enjoys this piece of media. And then we're all collectively shamed for all liking the piece of media. Like if you like something that has a small fandom, then you're just a hipster and you're trying too hard and like, geez, nah, nah, nah. If you like something that's too big, then clearly you must have just jumped on the bandwagon. You're not a real fan. Mm -hmm. If you try and go into any kind of fandom thing that is outside of your demographic, outside of your demographic, I was going to say male dominated, honestly, Mm -hmm. um, the, the trope of the fake geek girl in like comic book fandoms, Mm -hmm. girls basically have to prove to every guy that they meet not every guy no but they have to prove quite regularly that they know enough or they're real fans Mm -hmm. because if they haven't read every or every single book in this comic series then clearly they must not be a real fan Mm -hmm. 
Which honestly, it really does explain why mental health issues are especially prevalent in teenage girls. Yeah, uh, especially teenage girls who are fangirls. Yeah. Um, I mean, I speak from personal experience. <laughs> so do uh, I. Yeah, a lot of fandoms that I was into, especially in high school, were a form of escape escapism mm. for mm-hmm. me because my mental health was in the toilet. Ah. Um, yeah, so... Why do you think I wrote my first fanfiction? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, depression. Oh my gosh, yeah. This story brought to you by... by depression. depression! And anxiety. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Um, but I remember when I was in high school, the fandom that I was really into was Bendy and the Ink Machine. Mm-hmm. And I, looking back, I always just find it so interesting of how the fandom that takes place in a haunted uh, cartoon studio with a bunch of really deformed cartoon characters trying to murder you as mm-hmm. you try to solve the mystery of what happened in the studio. I will never play this game ever. Uh, was the form of escapism that I used to escape the horrors of high school. Which also says something about the American school system, but that's beside the point. But that's a story for another, a different podcast that we are not going to make. I was going to say, I don't think these people want to hear that story, my dear. Nah. Nah. Let me tell you about my emotion with the scattering backstory. Pretend (laughs) pretend that was in Dr. Doofenshmirtz's voice. When I was a small girl, back in (laughs) Germany. Drizzle Steve. (laughs) Yeah. Um... But yeah, like, I don't know if it's, like, a chicken and egg situation, because, Mm -hmm. like, again, back to that stereotype, you have the stereotype of the fangirl reading fanfiction or drawing fan art or whatever, like, obsessing over this piece of media because she's depressed. Does that come before or after the joining of the fandom and the subsequent internal shame that we're forced to take? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think in my case, uh, it kind of kind of played it by ear. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I wasn't depressed as a kid, and that was when I, you know, first started like getting into Star mm-hmm. Wars, and yeah, it yeah. really took off when I was about twelve. And I wasn't really depressed at that time, but I did insecurities did start to stem of oh, this is considered weird. I shouldn't talk about this with people because then people would, they won't want to be friends with me mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. Um, but in high school, it was very much of, like, I am depressed, and I need a distraction from that. Yeah. So, maybe it is a chicken and egg kind of situation. Maybe it's just, it's different just from situation to situation. I smell a master's dissertation right here. A what? A master's dissertation. What's that? When you graduate with a master's degree, you have to basically do your own research pod, uh, project oh. and present your findings. Huh. My dad would know about that. He has two masters, so mm. I'll ask him. <laughs> I've never heard of that before, so I don't have a master's, which is why I never heard of that. But, <laughs> um, but that, that that's another thing with you know, off there are fan there are a lot of fangirls out there who suffer with mental health, mm-hmm. and it can be a form of escapism. If it also can be a form of catharsis. Yeah. Um, and when you make fun of the catharsis you're not only making fun of that person's emotions, which are a very real thing. Like, emotions are what make us human. Um, But but you're also also making fun of how they try to process those emotions. Again, with me... And the suffering that they've gone through. Oh, yeah. With me and Bendy and the Ink Machine, like, it was a form of distraction, but it was also a form of catharsis of the main protagonist was a character Mm -hmm. who was stuck in a in this weird building that he didn't want to be in in the first place Mm -hmm. and he is desperately trying to get out and solve the mystery and figure out who he is Mm -hmm. in this you know this this story 
And that was kind of, I felt that a lot with me having to go to high school every day in a building that I didn't want, surrounded by people I didn't like and Mm -hmm. very much did not like me. Mm -hmm. The same as this character having to deal with all these monsters. Absolutely. When I was in, um, when I had to take a gap year and live at home because of COVID, Mm -hmm. I very much gravitated towards like Cinderella adaptations of of all varieties, not just the one that I wrote, but of all varieties, because it spoke to me in this sense of, like, isolation and kind of being trapped in a home that was supposed to be a safe space and has gradually gotten more and more difficult. Yeah. And that is nothing against my family. I love my family. They're great. COVID just took a toll on us all. Yeah, COVID took a toll on us all. And, I mean, you look at the mental health statistics since COVID and you will see that. Yeah. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, I'm just sort of curious, like, do you think that fangirls... Do do you think that young teenagers, or older teenagers, I suppose, seek out fandom because they are depressed or anxious and looking for that escapism or do you think that the depression and anxiety comes from the finding of the fandom and the subsequent shame um i'm not entirely sure i think uh you would probably need like a broader audience Mm -hmm. uh to answer that question like a poll or a survey or something like that Mm -hmm. me speaking from personal experience i think it's more of a I, I think it's more of um I seeked out I sought out fandom because I was depressed. I've mm-hmm. had a lot of conversations with my dad because, you know, lately we've kind of been opening up a little bit more about like mental health of myself and mm-hmm. of the rest of the family and stuff like that. Yeah. And I have told him a lot of of, you know, fandoms kind of saved my life, um, in a way. Yeah. Of it was something for me to look forward to, something Absolutely. for me to grab to gravitate to. I and, it was something that had a sense of community. Yeah, and uh, you know. I remember when I would be on, like, fanfiction.net, and I, I yes, I wrote Bendy and the Ink Machine fandom, uh, fanfiction. Um, hey, no judgment here. That's yeah, what yeah. this podcast is for. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, there would be, like, the same people commenting on the stories. Yeah. And I remember when people would comment on my stories, it made my day. It Absolutely. was, like, it came to the point where it was the one thing that mm-hmm. I was looking forward to. Uh, like, the five-minute period between classes, I'd mm-hmm. go to the bathroom, and I'd pull out my phone, and I'm like, another message! And the mm-hmm. person was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. I'm so glad you uploaded. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, yes! Yeah. People appreciate what I do. Exactly. When I was writing mine and posting mine, um, I would post Sunday nights usually. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would have to wait until Monday afternoon, but I tried to post Sunday nights when I could. Mm-hmm. And that meant that I would then wake up Monday morning and there would usually be at least one comment. Mm-hmm. And... It's like, the same way now with me. I'm uploading yeah. a story that mm-hmm. is already completed, so it's just more of like keeping right. a consistent keeping upload a consistent schedule. schedule yeah. And I've noticed there have been the, the same patterns yeah, as there was absolutely. in high school. Like there's been the same people commenting and we've had like little conversations in the mm-hmm. comments of where people have been like putting in theories and I'm like, oh, uh, I won't tell you which ones are wrong and right, but this theory, but one of your theories is right and one of them was wrong. So good luck figuring out which is which. And just these fun little conversations because these are people who are interested and yeah. what we're making now obviously and, and very specifically they're people they're not just 
words on a screen. Like, this is another person who is speaking to you. It just happens to be through a text format. Yeah, and obviously you have to keep in mind, like, internet safety. Yeah, so, obviously. Like, yeah. yeah, so we never, like, while well, on the podcast, I give my real name. And that was at first by accident, but I was like, nah, well, I guess we're keeping this now. Um, but, you know, like, there's always that sense of privacy that you have to keep in mind. So mm-hmm. just because someone comments on your story a lot does not automatically make them your friend. So younger audience, just keep that in mind. Um, but one, one last thing I wanted to bring up before mm-hmm. we move on uh, was there was a sense of nostalgia, both, you know, with uploading fan fictions again for me, as well as Bending in the Dark Revival just came out. That's right. And I've been telling you guys about it, which is funny because, like, no one in our household likes horror games. It's true. And I te- I typically don't like horror games, but this game has such a sense of nostalgia for me, mm-hmm. so I, I loved watching it. And there was a scene of where you actually got to meet the main character of the last game, Henry, and, like, you get to find out what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a situation of where, like, your character that you're playing now has a face-to-face conversation with him. And there was just something of where I was like, Henry! <laughs> my <laughs> comfort character! My video game father figure, not to be confused with Thilza, who is my Minecraft father figure, <laughs> or Padre Pio, who is my saintly father figure. <laughs> <laughs> there was just a sense of, like, it was so weird because... You know, this is a fictional mm-hmm. character. This is an NPC. Mm-hmm. But I had a quote-unquote connection with this NPC mm-hmm. because I got him during the... I You know, yeah. I understood him during the first game. Of like, I understand what you're going through, and that's why the game can... I'm connected mm-hmm. to it so much. Yeah. That's why I like it so much is because I understand you. You are a cartoonist. You are a creator. You are... You're like me. You're like me. And now I'm having a conversation with you. Um, and this goes back to our discussion of comfort characters that we had last time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Henry is definitely a comfort character. And so, like, during the... I won't spoil the game for you, but there is a, a moment where all hope seemed lost, and it looked like Henry was far beyond saving. But then he's like, I'm back, babies! And I'm here to wreck havoc! And I'm just like, Henry, you've come to save us! Yay! <laughs> and it made me very happy. I'm very supportive, though I don't know what's going on! <laughs> we love Henry Stein! Yay! Yeah! <laughs> anyway. Honestly, I, like, this is... One of the reasons that we're doing this podcast is really to kind of break down that notion of shame mm-hmm. that we've both experienced, that every other fangirl that we've met has experienced at some point. Yeah. Like, we want to be that safe place and that reassurance for our listeners, especially our younger listeners. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Now, obviously, there's a sense of moderation that you need to kind of figure out uh, trial and error. Yeah, and and there are, like, there are some moral things that you need to keep in mind, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But simply being a part of a fandom is not a bad thing. Oh, yeah. In fact, I would argue that it's a very good thing because it is that sense of community and we as humans are meant to be in a community. Absolutely. That's how we were made. Yeah, that's how we were made by God. Mm-hmm. And if that community has to be a fandom community about Minecraft roleplay, then gosh darn it, it's gonna... <laughs> it's the Minecraft roleplay, woo! Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. All right, do you have any last thoughts? Uh... Well, there was one thing I wanted to mention real quick Mm -hmm. uh, concerning of, like, fan, like, uh, female representation done well for Mm -hmm. fangirls in media. And I've told you about this before. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you guys, and this ties in back with uh, 
uh, Minecraft roleplay. There's a series that I've been watching all semester. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. Empire's SMP, specifically season two. Season two is very different from season one. It's kind of like the next generation, well, next thousand years later, next generation of emperors and empresses and princesses and sheriffs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there's this one character within like this lore D&D roleplay thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is the YouTuber... Uh, uh, Catherine Elizabeth. Uh, I, I know that's her name. I don't know if that's her YouTube handle. Um, but she basically, her character is a, you know, by day she is a, a you know, a pretty princess with like the, with the colors of a pink and purple and magenta and white. And she loves her kingdom and, and she, she wears beautiful and dresses she collects animals and flowers and she runs her own tailor shop. But by night she is a you know, a monster slayer with this huge axe and she wears all black and stuff like that. But her personality does not change. Mm -hmm. When she is, like, you know, dressed in all black, she's going out by night, she's hunting, she's fighting illagers and freeing allies and, um, and with her huge axe, it's, like, bigger than, like, anime axe, um, she's still, like, oh my gosh, fairies! And she's, like, in her, like, she looks like Black Widow, but she is still, like, the pretty little princess. And there... But she can be both. She can be both. And there is nothing being made fun of. She is, like, this This is what her character is genuinely. Mm-hmm. And it's not, like, overly dramatic dramatic or used for comedy or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's and like, it's not, like, one of those situations of, like, oh, the all-black is so that she can escape her, you know, she can escape the prison of royal life. Yeah. Her backstory, it did tie in a little bit of that, of, like, as a kid, I wanted to, you know, fight monsters, but, you know, I had to fill in, like, the feminine roles. And to be fair, I like wearing dresses and collecting flowers and running a tailor's shop. And right, pink that, and purple are my favorite colors. But that I don't have a problem with. Yeah, yeah. But she was like, but I also want to fight monsters. Yeah. Um, and it's not an either or. Yeah, yeah. She was, she is the definition of both. Both is good. Both is and good. And I think it's amazing of how, like, her character is teaching her audience mm-hmm. of, you don't have to be, like, you know pardon my language, but the badass female warrior like Black Widow, or you don't have to, or you don't have to be just the prissy little princess. You can be both if you want to be. And there's nothing wrong with having both of those inside of you or some combination along that scale. Like on a scale of Princess Peach to Black Widow, you can fall in the middle and that's okay. Yeah, or you can fluctuate depending yeah, on the day. Absolutely. Sometimes I do that, um, mainly like with my wardrobe. I can't tell you how many times or I would dress in like a color scheme of like uh, like red or black or something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would forget I'm like wearing this outfit. And so whenever I'd go to the store, like people would kind of give me funny looks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when I'd start talking to them, like their mood would immediately change. Of like, oh, this person's not like some emo, like don't talk to me, like teen angst kind of thing. Oh, no, she's friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened to me at a Joann's once with a bunch of old ladies. Oh my gosh. I had to go buy fabric. That's great, actually. That's that's really wholesome. Yeah, I was in line with, like, a bunch of old ladies, and they're all kind of, like, looking at me strange, Mm -hmm. and, like, there's something on my face. I'm dressed in all black and red, and I'm buying black fabric. Uh, And I just, like, approached one of the ladies. I'm like, so what are you using your fabric for? And they're like, oh, she's friendly. Oh, well, I'm using it for a little skirt under my Christmas tree. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's great. My friend is making me a skirt. She just needed me to buy the materials. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was Rivka, by the way. <laughs> she made me a skirt. I did. Yeah. For my Mumza cosplay. Mm-hmm. 
which cosplay should be another episode that we you will have to tune back in for that one because yeah. we don't have enough material for that right now and also we've kind of gone over time yeah so again yeah i think we've covered everything that we mm-hmm. had to we yeah. had to talk about this week any last thoughts uh no not really i hope we were able to educate the people i hope so too yeah so and i hope that we were able to reassure some of our listeners that like if nothing else fandom is a safe space and this podcast is is really specifically meant for you amen yeah so whether you're new or uh in the words of rachel maxi i love i love you whether you're new or old um if you want to stick around please subscribe how do you do you I, subscribe? Do I you don't, follow? What do you do? I think you follow a podcast. Yeah, you're follow, the comm arts major. Yeah. I don't know. Follow the podcast. Um, and we have fun here. So until right. next time. May the force be with you. And with your spirit. <laughs>